If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live. Rick Munn is locked and loaded on today's News Talk Radio TNT. Okay, it is, the, let me double check, yeah, Thursday, the 14th of November, 2023. This is TNT Radio. This is Locked and Loaded. I'm Rick Munn. Gemma Cooper will be joining me in a minute to chew the fat again. And the lovely Louise Crefield from CFR Human Rights in the UK will also be joining me talking about some of the shenanigans and skullduggery that's currently ongoing here within the UK. And also we'll be covering some of the things that are happening in Ireland as well. So just to give you uh, some overview, some of the things that I've been looking at here. Uh, let me see. Yeah. RTE which is the Irish equivalent of the BBC. One in five jobs are to go at RTE in the wake of their payment scandal. So there's been a whole lot of uh, nonsense going on with RTE, some uh, cooking of the books, some financial skullduggery there. And as a result of it, some people have lost their jobs. And now apparently one in five jobs are to go because of the scandal. The license fee uh, payment in Ireland is declining rapidly. And of course, they are reliant on licensing fees to provide their so-called programming. And it is programming in the truest sense. It's programming feeble minds uh, to buy into government narratives. So RTE are on the ropes. Now, another thing that has been mooted around is, well, what happens if people just stop paying the license fee? Everyone pays it. They have hinted that they could incorporate the license fee into your annual tax bill. So whether you pay a license fee directly or not in Ireland, uh, there is the possibility the government are looking at of maybe claiming it indirectly through your taxation, which will come out uh, every year. So there's really no escaping it. And I wouldn't be surprised if the same thing happens with the BBC, because there are more and more people cancelling their license, uh, their TV licenses in the UK, which you can do uh, legally. It's not illegal to do it, and you won't get people banging on your doors necessarily or even get nasty letters. I cancelled mine quite some time ago. You just go onto the website, say you don't watch live TV, you don't need the service. I haven't had any correspondence from the BBC, and I haven't had any threatening letters, and I haven't had any visits to the house either. So you can't do it legitimately, but they don't want you to know that. So, of course, if it reaches a critical mass, they won't have enough money to pay the bills, and then people lose their jobs and so on and so forth. So take... People talk about fighting fighting the power and taking the power back. One of the ways that you can do it, if you don't already do this, is to cancel your TV licensing fee. Number one, you're starving them of their money. And number two, it's more money for you, especially when people are switching up their fridges now uh, to keep electricity bills down. You know, as an alternative, just don't pay your TV licensing fee. Cancel it legitimately and save yourself a lot of money every year. So that's a, a top tip there. Also within the Irish police force, I touched on this yesterday, senior officers have reportedly already warned Justice Minister Helen McEntee that six out of the eight assistant commissioners and up to 20 of the chief superintendents out of 48 are likely to leave the force in the next 12 months. Now, that's not just an exodus of rank and file Garda officers here. We're talking about six out of eight assistant commissioners and half, almost half 
of the superintendents, chief superintendents, uh, leaving in 12 months. Serving high-ranking officers will not apply for top jobs because of pension and tax rules, I mean anyone applying for senior positions are likely to be stuck with huge tax bills when they actually retire. Uh, however, someone taking the senior post from outside the force might be attracted by the salary. In other words, what does that mean? There's going to be a mass exodus of Irish police officers in high-ranking positions over the next 12 months. And if they can't fill them with Irish men, they're going to bring in non-nationals to run the Irish police force. I kid you not. The Garda police force could be run by non-nationals in the coming years. Uh, three top police officers in the country did not come up through the ranks of Angarda Shikana. So think about that. Three of the top Irish cops never even came up through the Irish police force itself. Uh, they've been brought in from overseas. So that's a sobering thought. And again, it's a reality of what's happening in Ireland. The taxes are so high, the cost of living so high, uh, the availability of houses is terrible. Uh, it's just not good financially at the moment. So what's happening is a lot of people are leaving the country, are not taking these jobs, and then they're being replaced by foreign nationals, which makes uh, the problem worse and worse and worse. So that's what's happening uh, with the Garda and Garda Shikana in Ireland with regards to their uh, policing force. Uh, lastly, what else have we got here? Uh, yeah, the fight again. Well, I'll cover this next one with uh, Louise, actually, but because it's to do with the hate speech laws that are coming in in Ireland at the minute. So uh, what I'll do is I'll take a brief pause. Uh, we'll welcome Gemma back into the fray again, and uh, we'll see what's on the discussion table uh, later on. Uh, in just a minute here, so don't go away. This is TNT Radio. News you need to start your day. Updated first thing in the morning. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Oh, Gemma, TV license, BBC. I hate to bring this up. You know, some people don't like their sordid past being dragged up again uh, from the <laughs> mire. But I have to bring this up. T BBC, that, my, that went towards paying your wages at one stage, which I'm not begrudging you, by the way, but... How easy is it really to cancel your TV license and why are more people not doing it? Uh, well, I mean, you've outlined the process there. It's a simple process. And if you follow it properly, uh, rather than just cancelling your direct debit, that does wind them up and you're more likely to see someone knocking mm -hmm. on your door. But if you go through the website and put yep. your reasons, then, um, yeah, that's it. It's it's not a, it's not compulsory. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think it's that fear of authority thing. I think for a lot of people, it's what? It's around £15 pounds a month, isn't it? Just shy of £15 a month. You think, oh, I can't really be bothered. It's only £15. But actually, at the moment, £15 goes a hell of a long way. Um, mm -hmm. As we discussed in the last hour, you know, so there was people eating rotten food and having to switch their fridges off because they can't afford to make ends meet. So £15 for them is a huge amount of money. Um, why are not more people not doing it? I don't know. I think we're all slightly addicted to television, I think that you do regard it as first and foremost an entertainment uh, uh, device, which is why audiences are called audiences because audiences go to shows. We all go to a show. And we want to be entertained. That's why TV audiences are called audiences, and um, you know it's audience figures. So it, we regard it as something to distract us from our lives. It's quite nice to have in the corner. I think a lot of people are doing it though. More and more people that that I speak to who do remember me from my dark days at the Beeb um, say they don't watch it anymore, and that's from people from all walks of life and i find that very heartening whether they've cancelled their license fee i don't know but they're certainly not watching television which i, I mm -hmm. think people are seeing through what it is programming 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 you're quite right 
And that's the thing too, Gemma, because even if uh, you do still pay your TV license, a lot of people just don't watch the BBC anyway, because there's so many uh, free view channels up there now. And back in the day, it used to only be BBC One, BBC Two and ITV. They were pretty much the only TV stations. And then you remember when Channel 4 launched, I think it was back in the 80s, it was this revolutionary thing. I used to have this little black and white portable television with four big buttons on it and it said BBC One, BBC Two, ITV and then there was an asterisk for the fourth button and then when Channel 5 launched <laughs> that little TV became obsolete <laughs> because there was only four buttons on it. I could only pick up four TV channels but yeah even people that are actually paying their license they don't even watch the beep anyway but they mumble and grumble about it. So I think a little bit would be good if there was a good campaign, you know, a campaign to drive people into legitimately cancelling their license and it can be done easily and legitimately and there's no repercussions like you've just outlined. I think it would be good to hit, hit them where it hurts the most, which is in the pocket. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think there have been quite concerted efforts here in the UK to encourage people to do that. I mean, defund the BBC is one of them. That's a legit campaigning group. It's not some foaming up the mouth rabid conspiracy theorists. It's people that are saying the BBC isn't fulfilling its charter, which if you look at the events of the last three and a half years, you know, to represent all of the people in Britain, you know, that they, that pay the wages of that of that corporation well they certainly didn't do that with the lockdown marches which represented a huge cross-section of the British public they wholescale ignored us while we were out on the streets of London and elsewhere and then when they did eventually begrudgingly uh, cover the marches because they were news items they made us all out to be a bunch of far-right extremists which wasn't right and the BBC's had to climb down on that from the 15-minute city protests especially in Oxford where it labeled everybody a far-right extremist mm -hmm. and had so many complaints from middle-aged middle-class where very well-to-do British people that said they were anything but so I think you know the reason that people aren't engaging with television is they they're seeing through um, the, the very obvious agenda of programming. And I, I'm quite optimistic, actually, that more and more people mm. are, because I, funnily enough, I did a little, um, I wasn't I wasn't looking for my old employer yesterday, regional television, but a, something came across my feed. And it, when I looked and it was how many people where I used to work, uh, how many other presenters and senior people, just like the police force, actually, you're talking about the Irish police force, they've all left. Since, since I left and I did leave, um, Loads of people have followed suit, and I think it only takes one person to break ranks, isn't it? It's a bit like, you know, one flew over the cuckoo's nest or something. One tries to leave the lunatic asylum and the others try and follow suit. But loads of really good people who are nowhere near retirement age have up sticks and gone, up sticks and gone. And a lot of them have said they don't want anything to do with the media anymore. So I wonder if my little act of rebellion, <laughs> although it didn't go too well for me at the time, but it's worked out brilliantly now, uh, made people think a bit. I'd like to think so. I'd like to think so. Yeah, well, uh, that, you know, to be honest, sometimes people are looking for someone else to take the first step. And some people naturally, you know, lead the charge and other people are happy to fall in behind. And I think that's why it's a good thing. Even friends and family members, if they haven't already done it, you can apply a little gentle pressure on them. Say, listen, I've cancelled a TV license. It's really easy to do. In fact, there's people actually coming into my mind now. I don't know if they have cancelled their license or not, but I'm going to start working on them and try and get them to cancel it uh, before the end of the year. And listen, Every little helps, as Tesco say. So the same thing applies with taking down the BBC. Every little helps. Now, uh, enough BBC bashing uh, for right now. <laughs> Let's look at what you've got. You know, it's nice to bash them, isn't it? It, makes you, it does make you feel kind of good. Uh, but not so good here is uh, the story that we have here to do with uh, one in five young kids taking a, a, a supplement, actually, it is called melatonin for sleep. 
a study has shown. So uh, one in five, 20% of kids, uh, what, between nine and 19 or whatever it is, uh, are on sleeping pills. It's not particularly good, is it? You know, I'd rather stick to the BBC bashing, but I know I've got a job to do here and I will do it. Um, But uh, yeah, I picked up this story. This actually came from America. And obviously, you know, we're TNT, we're global 24-7. And, um, you know, I think uh, although America's behind us at the moment and people are probably not long out of bed, um, it's quite relevant actually to this story, which is quite right that nearly 20% of school-aged children in America are taking melatonin to help them get off to sleep. Um, Now, melatonin is a hormone um, which does regulate sleep-wake cycles, but it's so powerful that in many countries you need a prescription to buy it. Not so in the US. It can be bought over the counter in quite high levels. And and also it comes in those like gummy chews for kids. So this is is obviously being targeted at very young children. Um, And it's the age, a study from the University of uh, Boulder, Colorado, looked at nearly a thousand children aged between one to 13 and realized that the use of the hormone increased as they got older. And it's 10 to 13 year olds have the highest um, usage of this hormone to help them get off to sleep. And the parents are very open and saying, yeah, 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 we're giving it to our kids. And it's a Mm -hmm. huge jump. Uh, Sales have doubled in melatonin um, between 2017 and 2020, and they're continuing to rise. Now, this story raises a huge amount of questions because I don't think Mm. this is applicable just to America. Um, But why can't kids sleep? You've got got a child or Mm -hmm. maybe maybe two, I don't know, but I know you've got a daughter. Um, Children normally go to bed, should go to bed exhausted, lights out, sleep. Um, That's the whole point of being a kid. I mean, you're growing, you've got stuff on, you're active at school, you would hope. Um, but these children are having a terrible problem sleeping, and that question has not been addressed in this study at all. Um, they said maybe look at behaviour. You know, you don't have to look at anxiety levels. Why can't children sleep? And the normalisation, it doesn't have to be a jab, although I wouldn't wager that we will soon have a jab to help children sleep, you know, a jab for insomnia. Um, but it's this normalisation. If you've got something wrong with you, even if you're one years old, you know, one to 13, take a pill for it. Take a pill for it and then eventually take a take a jab for it, take a jab for it. And I wonder, I've been to America once and it granted it was only Vegas. So I don't think that's representative of America as a whole. It's a party destination. But my friend, she was having a rough time and she wasn't sleeping well. So we went to the pharmacy, what we thought was the pharmacy. Um, but we were in the supermarket and then we were explaining what we needed. They pointed us to this raft of like strong sedative type drugs that you could just buy. You didn't have to see a doctor. You didn't have to really see a pharmacist. And she bought some and they worked. But I thought, blimey, this is really different to England. So is it Americans are stressed out and anxious and making their kids stressed out and anxious? Or is this a worldwide problem with children? I don't know. But, I, uh, I think I, I thought the same thing as you. I thought, well, why why are they, where so many kids need this? This was never a thing when we were nippers running around or teenagers running around. And I think that's the key, running around. Because whenever I was uh, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, I was out running the streets, literally running the streets, playing football, riding about on my bike, ringing people's doorbells and charging down the street until I was exhausted, until the streetlights came on. And usually that was your sign that you had to come in for the night was whenever the streetlights used to come on uh, in your local neighbourhood. So uh, and there was no um, internet back then. Uh, there was no mobile phones. When you went to bed, you went to sleep. 
you know, at best I can remember, remember the old Sony Walkmans, the cassette tape Sony Walkmans. I remember I used to listen to music sometimes when I went to bed sneakily under the duvet, you know, put the headphones on when I should have been sleeping because I was getting up for school. But by and large, Gemma, that helped me to nod off because I was physically exhausted. I think this generation of kids that's coming through the ranks now is generally, and I'm generalizing here, less active and certainly more online than we were because we didn't have the options if you didn't play in the street, what the hell were you going to do all day? You couldn't like sit around in the living room watching BBC with your mom and dad. That's the last thing that you wanted to do. And then there was no internet as well. So your mind naturally shut down at, at bedtime and then you were up early for school as well. But now you can, you know, school from home and uh, do Zoom classes and most courses now, freaking tech courses. Yeah, you're only in two days a week and you come in at 11 o'clock in the morning. Ah, oh, kids these days, Gemma, I tell you, they need a little <laughs> bit of, you know, a little bit of oomph. And uh, unfortunately, I think all the stuff that we always talk about, which is the dumb and down with the internet, I think it's starting to manifest itself and then destroyed sleep patterns for the next generation of kids. Their brains are just fried and they're always wired to be online or want to be online, addicted to it, so they can't sleep. Yeah, I agree. I know obviously we're coming up to the break now, but I do think as well, like I think of most things I did, I think it's by design. If you disrupt mm -hmm. somebody's sleep-wake cycle, especially when you're yes. young, that's that's really scrambling your development and it's scrambling your perception. And, and yeah, the addiction to technology, well, we all know where that's leading, mm -hmm. the transhuman agenda, without a doubt. But the, the fact is as well, just to end it on the, that if you've got something wrong with you, whatever it is, a pill or a needle is the is the is the solution. Pill or a needle. A pill or a needle. That's where we're going. You know, and to think that young children can't sleep—that's extremely worrying because that is the next generation. But yeah, and it's a big. You're right. I looked at the sample size of that as well. It was just under a thousand kids, so it's not a small sample. And to have twenty percent of them on this uh, melatonin or me melatonin, I think it's it's called. It's not a good indicator. And of course, it's probably going to increase as time goes by. I can't see it going any, uh, any way the other direction, but we'll keep an eye on it. And you never know, you might update us in a year and it could be 5% or more likely 50%, but we'll keep yeah. an eye on that one anyway. So big thanks to you, Gemma, as always. If your input, we'll check uh, out tomorrow what else is going on in the world as per now. Got to release you back into the real world, just even for a short time. And Louise Crefield will be joining me just after this short break here on TNT. So please don't go away. TNT Radio's Lynn Shaw. Joe Biden issued this executive order about AI, artificial intelligence. And it was all about it's a national security threat. You know, tech companies, they all came out of the woodwork and they're applauding this executive order, this new regulation, which is seeking to govern how our federal government will use AI and establish guidelines for companies building new models. But what about the children? What about AI and CSAM, child sexual abuse material? I am not convinced our government is doing anything because this executive order does not mention children. All I have to say about that is so far with the internet, can't even control what's happening now with all of these platforms and children and safety. How are they going to control this AI, this artificial intelligence? Lynn Shaw on TNT Radio. When the world's endangered animals need help most, when their lives are at greatest risk, when they would otherwise be lost. The International Fund for Animal Welfare is there, taking action to rescue the animals we love, to protect them and their threatened natural habitats. But the danger to animals the world over is growing, and the need for your help has never been more urgent. 
On land, you'll help stop poachers from threatening and killing elephants and big cats for the illegal wildlife trade. In the oceans, you'll help rescue dolphins, whales, and seals from deadly hazards. And you'll help rescue, rehabilitate, and release vulnerable animals when disasters strike. Here at home and around the world, we can't do this work without you. See how you can help animals and people thrive together at joinifall.org. Without CO2, the world stops breathing. CO2 sustains all life on Earth. Government, the WEF, and the elite believe humans are the carbon they really want to be rid of. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Okay, okay, yes, we're locked and loaded. We are live at the moment, and I'm joined, yes, I'm joined by the lovely Louise Creffield from Save Our Human Rights within the UK. Uh, If you don't already follow her on social media, I would strongly encourage you to do so. Let me just get up the proper details here. So if you go into the X platform, it's at Save Our Rights, all one word, Save Our Rights UK. And she also has a website, Save Our Rights dot uk where you can go in there and find it which is up to you and also supporter please if you can because there's a lot of work that these guys are undertaking and they need a little bit of support not just moral support there but if you can find your way to making a donation towards the work that they do their non-profit organization then please i would encourage you to do that so without any further ado welcome back louise uh, i want to believe that you're locked and loaded this morning yes or no absolutely every morning Good. Every morning? Oh, I thought it was just when you came on the show here. But anyway, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, There's an awful lot that we can be talking about. Uh, Literally, everything's changing on a week-to-week basis. So if it's been a month or so since you were last on here, maybe a little bit longer, the political landscape has changed like crazy. We're even just ruminating over what has happened in the last 24 hours. David Cameron, uh, call me Dave Cameron, has uh, been brought back into the cabinet again. He's not even an elected MEP at this point in time. Charles has had to make him appear. He's in there. Suella Breverman's gone. At uh, same time, this time last year, we had the reshuffle with uh, Kwasi Quarteng, Chancellor out, Liz Truss out, replaced by an unelected Rishi Sunak in David Cameron, unelected. Is, you know, I have my doubts about democracy at the minute, to be quite frank. There's a long, dark shadow over them. But is this not just confirming what we believe that it's just a farce at this point? It's not an actual due process. It's a farce. It's an old boys and old girls network. And if your face doesn't fit, you don't get in. Absolutely. He's got, you know, hundreds of MPs that he could have selected from that are democratically elected to at least sit in their seats. And yet he's bought brought somebody like David Cameron back out the woodwork, got gone to the king, said, give him a life peer so I can use him. Um, I don't actually want to use any of the democratically elected people. It's, it's absolutely outrageous. You know, that's without even looking at the merits or um, otherwise of David Cameron himself. Even if he was the best potential foreign secretary in the world, you don't, that's not how it happens. That's not how it's meant to work. We're meant to have a cabinet made up of elected officials. So to bring just somebody back in that, as you say, is an old friend and using that network is, you know, it's an insult to any sort of democracy. It really is. And like I say, that's without even getting into the merits of David Cameron. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, think about this as well. Since uh, what was it around about August, September of 2022, when Johnson uh, was ousted, we had uh, Liz Truss in for her brief uh, six or eight week stint as PM. She was ousted and then Rishi Sunak was brought in. So what for the last 15 months, give or take a few months, we've had two unelected prime ministers in situ in the UK at the minute and until possibly maybe next next springtime when there's the next general election. That means for a period of at least two years, there will have been at least two unelected prime ministers in Downing Street. And the way I say at least two is because, let's face it, Sunak uh, may not be around forever, probably won't be. So they could have a third person in there, possibly before the next general election, because I don't think he's really going to be the man that leads the, the Tories to any kind of a victory. If that's even a possibility, uh, I don't think it'll be done under Rishi Sunak. What do you think? Well, this is it, but you've got to remember that the people like Liz Truss don't actually mind because having been Prime Minister even for such a short um, period of time, she gets a lifetime payment, a lifetime salary for the rest, for forever, for being Prime Minister, for having served the country uh, as Prime Minister she now gets a lifetime salary. And you've got to remember this sort of thing happens every time, you know, when obviously Braverman was fired from the cabinet. But when anybody ever resigns from the cabinet, they get a resignation payment as well. So it's not like necessarily this whole big, um, like, stand that they're making. It benefits them. It's, it's not that they're not doing themselves any harm. They get a payout for resigning. So... It's and it's these sorts of things, and it's like, how can you have true democracy when everything's financially incentivized? You know, you can't. So you you're in the cabinet, you get paid more. You resign from the cabinet, you get a payout anyway. And and as we saw when the likes of Rishi um, quit the cabinet because of Boris, he got reinstated like straight away anyway. So he got his resignation payment. And then went straight back into the cabinet with Liz Truss. So it's 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 all it's just such a nonsense. Such it a, really such is such a scam. It really is. And you know, uh, even since yesterday, we've got to take a quick uh, news break now. But even since yesterday, you know, this story came up this morning about Esther McFay being appointed as the Minister for Common Sense. Genuinely, and I said this to Natalie, I, I thought it was a troll job. It was actually reported first of all in the Sun, and I thought this must be a parody. They're taking the piss here, but apparently, it's actually real. Uh, Esther McFay has been appointed as the minister for the czar for common sense with a, a task of uh, tackling the scourge of wokery. So that's her that's her job title. So we'll take a brief. I'll let you compose yourself because, you know, I think you're reeling inside. So uh, when we come back after this brief uh, news break, you can tell me your thoughts on this. And someone in our live chat posted, well, are they going to appoint a minister for funny walks as well? You know, that Monty Python sketch <laughs> where they had the ministry for funny walks. Is that going to be, is that Liz Truss's de facto position now? I don't know, but mull over it anyway. And we'll be right back after this short break here on TNT. Don't go away. Great news. Good news, everyone. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. California's governor has come under fire after admitting the streets of San Francisco were only cleaned up to impress world leaders attending this week's APEC summit. 
U.S. forces in Syria have come under attack another four times in the past 24 hours. And the Secret Service has released photos of the bag of cocaine that was found inside the White House four months after the shock discovery. God, you're amazing. You're a much better listener than my wife. You're always there for me. I think I may be in love. Where is she? Well, it's not what it seems. I, I was talking Who's to... Who's the tramp I heard you talking to? That was my Alexa, sweetie. Well, she sounds like a tramp. <laughs> Fall in love with news and talk all over again with your smart device. Just tell it to play. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, without laboring the point too much about Esther McFay, you know, let's face it, we all have, uh, you know, points in our, our personalities and lives we could be working on. But to appoint Esther McFay as the uh, Minister for Common Sense, you said, you made a good point. Well, maybe we actually do need a Minister for Common Sense because everything's crazy at the minute. But that is that not a real damning statement? The fact that what you've just said is actually correct. Maybe we actually do need this person but I don't think she's the person for the job. I think you would have made a better minister for... Why don't you get approached by the government uh, and made a peer? Why don't you get knocked on the door and say, right, Louise, uh, off to Buckingham Palace, we're going to make you a peer and you're going to be elected into the cabinet or stuck into the cabinet as per today and get stuck in there making the world sensible again. Why not you? Why Esther McVeigh? What has she got? Well, quite. Um, as we're now just picking any randomer off the street that's not elected... Why not? Why not me? Why not you? Mm -hmm. Why not any of us? Because that's essentially what they've, the thing that they've started with David Cameron is literally could pick anybody off the street and go, you, you, come on in. But yeah, the problem is we actually probably do at this point need a minister for common sense because there is a severe lack of common sense in this nation. And it's really difficult. It's really difficult. But as you say, would I have picked Esther McVeigh for the job? Absolutely not. But how do we how do we get common sense back into a nation? The problem is, is it's not happened overnight. It's been a long time yeah. coming. There's been so much. Do you know, I was thinking the other day about um I was sorting out my kids' clothes. I've got four kids, two girls, two boys. And I thought to myself, oh, this is quite a good unisex outfit, um, unisex top. I can pass that down from my girl to my boy. Where did that word go? Where did that word go? You know, you used to have unisex stuff, um, mm -hmm. you know, in kids' clothes. You could get unisex stuff. Mm -hmm. It wasn't gender neutral. It was unisex. Yep. Like, And where's that word gone? Why has that gone away? Why is everything gender neutral now? Like, why is that the preferred phase? Um, and, you know, I'm all for some unisex clothes that my kids can pass out. Great, handy. But it's not about being gender neutral. And so, yeah, having, you know, and, you know, one of my best friends got asked if she was still chest feeding her baby. You know, we need, we need some common sense back in this nation. We do. But as you say, we shouldn't need a minister for it. A scourge against wokery. Well, that's one of the things that, you know, allegedly will be addressed. The fact that, you know, women are actually going to be called women now in hospitals instead of birthing people. And, you know, their, their anatomical body parts are going to be called by their proper names instead of something that may offend some guy that thinks he's a girl instead uh, to restore sanity. But as you rightly pointed out, why does it take a government ministerial rule uh, to be constructed? 
to bring about common sense back to the nation. I don't know. I don't know if we're ever going to get it back. Uh, something else that uh, is, uh, we'll just touch on this briefly too, Tony Blair is being touted uh, as a, an Israeli humanitarian as well. So Tony Blair, who was the scourge uh, of the Middle East, the, the phony Tony, Tony liar, uh, call him whatever you want. He looks like the devil incarnate. Somebody done an AI uh, picture of Tony Blair as the devil, right, the other day, and they put horns on him and uh, fire coming up behind him and red eyes. And then someone actually put an ordinary photograph of Tony Blair beside the devil one and said that the normal Tony Blair looks more evil than the devil himself. Uh, so Tony Blair, uh, I mean, could it reach that level of madness where Blair makes a, uh, yeah, we know he's in the background. We know he's pushing agendas. We know his Blair Institute's funded by Gates, et cetera. We know he's been pushing for digital IDs in the UK. We know he pushed for vaccine passports. He never really went too far. The apple really never fell too far from the tree with Tony Blair in terms of UK politics, did it? No, and you know, but he's he's been working out there for a long time. So he has had quite a lot to do with Hamas um, mm -hmm. in the past, you know. So he, um, you know, I was reading about it, and it said that you know he had special close connections with the quartet, the UN, the EU, US, and Russia, and he's been out there with his fingers in pies, quietly, quietly, you know, getting all the contacts, getting all the details. And he he's actually quite in quite a powerful position, but he's very quiet about it. And it's very clever. So I think, you know, if we needed to be certain that, you know, what we're seeing out over there um, in terms of Israel and Hamas being controlled on both sides then you know this just demonstrates it you know yeah. like blair wouldn't be getting involved if it wasn't he wouldn't be picking a side and that's not what he's planning on doing because he's had relations with hamas before he's got relations with israel and yeah it, as far as i'm concerned that whole thing is controlled on both sides and the 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 victims are the civilians um yeah n neither one is better than the other I agree. And that's the thing too, you know, that, that's what we've got to keep in mind with all of this, that despite uh, retaliatory strikes and action and right to defend themselves or whoever it happens to be, whether that be Palestine or whether that be Israel, what's happening at the ground level at the minute is it's not the politicians are being killed and bombed and it's not the Hamas leadership that's being annihilated. It's just innocent uh, civilians out there. And let's hope uh, on an aside, let's hope that that's some sanity again, maybe they should be appointing a minister uh, for common sense for the Middle East as well, because damn it, does that place ever need it? Uh, but in the UK as well, following on from the weekend too, uh, there was a whole furore uh, over the uh, Armistice Day and the Palestinian march that happened in London over the weekend. Uh, as expected, it's been now used as a tool to potentially clamp down on protests. Uh, the bait was taken. Uh, it looked like there was a lot of agent provocateurs in that uh, mix, uh, yobos uh, down around the cenotaph. A lot of people went and observed the silence very peacefully and very respectfully, and I'm sure the vast majority did, but of course that's not what was latched on to by the uh, mainstream media. Will this bring about further clamping down of protests on the streets because of potential 
public order uh, offences that could arise, you know, to prevent prevention is better than cure, etc. Can you see it going that way? Absolutely. And this is problem, reaction, solution. They created the problem because really I, I can't see what the issue is when, you know, on Armistice Day, we're remembering people who've fallen in wars. There is a war that's happening now and people are falling. Why would we not want to remember them too and call for that to end? We don't want to be remembering more and more people every Armistice Day. We don't want to be, ha- we don't want to send our troops out there for them to get involved either. So, you know, as long and they were quite respectful of not going, the actual main march was never planned to go anywhere near their memorial services. But yeah. because there was lots of stoking of the fire, we had brave men like saying X, Y, Z about the police and causing all sorts of issues. It did kick off. And, you know, and there is always that chance as well when there are big marches that things will kick off. So, yeah, it's a perfect opportunity because they do have the public order bill which they utilised. So they one of the um, clauses in the public order bill that has come in is that they have got the ability to stop and search without suspicion. And so they were doing this on Saturday. They were stopping and searching all sorts of people and with no no like actual reason about that person. So they were utilising this. But at the same time, they were vastly outnumbered and so the police were quite limited in what they could do on the day. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they would, I think, use it as an opportunity to bring in emergency powers. But then we've seen that, you know, with XR, Just Stop Oil, they were repeatedly named as part of the reasons for bringing in the likes of um, the public order bill. So people who are protesting in this way actually hinder things. They don't help. And, you know, that's why when I, I've, I've led a lot of protests now and we by our very presence have done things like disrupting traffic because us walking down the road, we're a big crowd. It does disrupt traffic, but that wasn't our purpose because I know that it doesn't actually serve. And because it just, it doesn't get the public on your side. It doesn't win over hearts and minds and it gives the police excuses to arrest. It's, it's not, it's not the right way. Whereas because we didn't do any of that stuff, ours grew and grew and grew. To, from my first one, there were six people, and the biggest one we had was nearly a million. So mm. it just grew and grew and grew because we took that positive attitude where we were making a stand, but we weren't being deliberately difficult or controversial. You see, uh, just on what you have said there, because you've been coming on here now for, well, best part of a year and a half, more or less, since the station launched. So we've chronicled uh, your journey uh, leading the front uh, from the six people right up to the million odd people in London. You were involved with that. You were leading from the front. And of course, uh, you became quite difficult to pin down last year because you were in and out of court like a yo-yo because of various things that you were uh, doing uh, for the freedom movement. I, I hate using that term but you get what i'm coming from here let me ask you a question uh based on the laws and whatnot that are in force now the things that have been brought in now versus maybe what was there around about 18 months ago could they pinch you more easily now and without any reason and 
dare I say, would they zone in on you now to use these laws? For example, as as an instigator or someone that was a rabble rouser in their eyes and someone that needs to be uh, kept in check, do you think that that could be weaponized against maybe you personally? Obviously, I'm just asking that hypothetically, but you know, if I was a if I was in government and I would I would be uh, monitoring you and I would want you kept off the the scenes and that's being honest. So if I think mm-hmm. like that, surely they would think like that. Or am I uh, getting paranoid in my old age? Oh no, absolutely. Because you've got to remember they they came and tried to arrest me two days mm-hmm. prior to the biggest rally. They came to my house and were staking out my house and um, were trying to arrest me. Unfortunately, their warrant didn't allow them to enter my home. Mm-hmm. Um. So um, they couldn't arrest me unless I stepped out of my home. So I stayed in my house. Um, But they absolutely could. And now, you know, under the public order bill, they have got the ability to do things like say that I can't organize a protest, save our rights, can't organize a protest. They can even put ankle tags on me to make sure that I don't go out um, and into certain areas. They could say that I'm not allowed to talk to certain people. I'm not allowed to instruct other people to organize a protest. So they've got a lot of abilities now, and I would actually get legal advice now before organizing a protest because the laws are so complex and there are so many pinch points that they can get you on very quickly. So to do a protest well without falling foul of their many laws is actually really difficult. So I would I would actually get legal advice now before I organize one to make sure that it wasn't making it easy for them to get me. If for example, not that I wouldn't do it, but I would not want to make it easy for them. That's the case in point, right? That's the case in point that if we were to have this, comp- you wouldn't have been saying those things to me a year and a half ago because of the new laws and legislations that are brought in. Now you're having to very uh, be very careful, uh, check your P's and Q's before you do or say anything because it could literally end you up back in the dock again or worse, uh, in prison or with a humongous fine. So we've got to take a quick ad break. When we come back, I want to look at some of these other things that you could be pinched for because uh, there's a couple of stories from the, uh, the EU and also uh, CPS saying using the wrong pronouns could be used as domestic abuse. Uh, government documents talking about changing the definition of extremism. Uh, basically, if you don't like the government, you could be branded an official extremist. I want to look at that within the UK and also another story that we covered earlier on from Poland uh, somebody re-liked uh, I'll, I'll get into it when we come back uh, after the after the ad breaks please bear with us uh, this is TNT Radio de-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective well our girl Greta is at it again except she might have just hung herself with her own rope now what rope is that well she wants to get into political activity she's trying to parallel what's going on with Israel and Palestine with climate change. In fact, this is exactly how they work. They try to link things together, and yet there's some people in the climate community that don't like this at all. As a matter of fact, they resent her doing that because after all, whether they're right or wrong, climate is important to them. But let me tell you what the common denominator of what people like Greta Thunberg are doing is. They don't know all the facts. She certainly does not know the history, which extends back to Abraham, by the way, of how this whole problem 
got going over there. She has no idea. And she certainly does not have any idea of the seven, eight, nine, in fact, probably infinite amount of counters to her climate change stance. So consequently, these people are getting these very loud voices and they're based on ignorance. And the big question is, is how can a society and how can people that need facts, confront facts, have the freedom to do so? How can they survive when the voices that are yelling and screaming the loudest are coming from ignorance? Ponder that question for a while. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you got. The challenges our planet's animals are facing sometimes feel a bit heavy. The animals haven't eaten in a day, two days. They haven't drank anything. They're cold, they're dehydrated. But remember, there's good happening right now. At home. All right, we were able to get into your unit and we have all four of your cats who, uh... <laughs> okay. And around the world for any animal, any disaster. Search ifa.org forward slash disaster ready. This is Lock and Loaded with Rick Munn on TNT. Okay, so I'm talking with Louise Crefield here this morning, live from TNT Radio. Uh, she is part of Save Our Rights UK, and you can check out the website, saveourrights.uk, or follow her on um, social media, on Twitter, especially at Save Our Rights UK. I've asked you this before, but I think you have a much bigger presence on Facebook and Instagram, don't you? Is it the same name? Yeah. Yeah, Isn't it? Save, Save Our Rights, Rights UK, UK on all platforms. So, yeah, right. Facebook so there you and go. Instagram. It's just because I don't use uh, Facebook, so I don't really follow it. But uh, it, that's probably the better platform to go on because Twitter is very, very restrictive at the minute. But some of the things that you brought up, uh, Louise's potential talking points here. So this one in particular, government documents talking about changing the definition of extremism to basically not liking the government or disagreeing with them. There was four uh, MEPs from Poland are having their uh, prosecution immunity removed for liking and retweeting posts warning on the dangers, potential dangers of mass immigration uh, within various European countries. So this was just a social media post that was liked and retweeted. Uh, they're being pulled up uh, for potential uh, aggravated hate, hatred uh, and race bashing because they agreed with this or they propagated this. Uh, they could be facing prosecution as a result of this. And uh, when I was talking to Natalie about it, we thought maybe the motivation was, well, if they can get any peace for retweets and MEP, how much more could they come after you and me? And how much easier would it be to prosecute you and me for something like that? Is that not another warning salvo fired across our bows to think twice before dissenting online and just simply using your thumb to repost a, a, a social media post? This is not getting beyond the pale. Ridiculous. Yeah. And it's, it's that thing though, you know, People in positions like MEPs do need to be held to a higher standard mm -hmm. than mm -hmm. me and you. But at the same time, it's it brings up a really interesting question about free speech. So this is something that I'm actually considering doing like a bit of a talk about because if you actually look at the court history of free speech cases. There's some in the European um, courts and there's some in the Court of Appeal here in the UK. And judges consistently say that free speech includes the right to be offensive and even to abuse each other. Like, you know, 
free speech isn't just you're free to say things that we agree with. You're free to say things that we like. You're free to say nice things. No, free speech is everything. And that includes having a feeling of saying something about mass immigration. Mm -hmm. You know, if you, we either have free speech or we don't. And I would, I would argue that we don't Uh, currently. It is very censored in the, you know, the amount of hate that you get if you say certain things and, you know, and obviously you can get deplatformed, shut down. People get like their GMC um, and solicitors, licenses revoked, you know, you actually don't have free speech and it's a big problem. And we're seeing it as well with the the marches as well, um, the Palestinian marches, people are being hunted by the police for having various signs. Not that I necessarily agree with the signs, but I agree with free speech. Yeah. And as well as that, you know, back in the day, you know, remember comedy, there was a lot of very controversial comics out at one stage back in the 80s and the 90s, and they got a lot of bad publicity. But it was always a case, well, you don't like them, don't go and see them, don't watch their TV shows, don't listen to them. And there's always going to be something that you can find offence at that somebody says, if you dig hard enough. So where do you draw the line with all this, I think, is the problem. And they'll take, and if you give them an inch they'll take a mile when it comes to your free speech. Now, in Ireland, uh, this is just to give you an example. I don't know if you're following what's happening in Ireland. Uh, it would be interesting if you did, uh, for your own knowledge, by the way, there's a lady over there mm. called Helen McEntee, who's the Justice Minister in Ireland. Uh, there's been a public meeting bringing an anti-hate speech bill battle uh, to McEntee's constituency. So the fight against her controversial hate speech legislation has been brought to her constituency, where it was criticised as being flawed beyond redemption. Uh, a public meeting on the issue hosted by Free Speech Ireland took place last Thursday. The attendance included uh, senators from the Irish government and featured speakers from a variety of concern groups about the social impact of the legislation. So the legislation in question is called the Criminal Justice or Incitement to Violence or Hatred and Hate Offences Bill, known as the Hate Speech Bill, passed through the doll earlier this year and has now been debated twice at the Senate. So to cut a long story short, She's bringing in sweeping new powers that will uh, make it you be fined and prosecuted, potentially go to prison for a perceived hate speech towards someone. So it doesn't matter if you meant it or not. If the other person believed that you meant it, well, then that was good enough uh, to get you collared on it. Now, Ireland already has hate speech legislation. Most places actually do. But they're, uh, how would you say, fine tuning it even further to potentially catch more people within the net and again put the frighteners out before you think twice before posting a meme or liking a post on social media it could land you with a huge fine or possibly uh, some prison time so despite all this she's going ahead with it anyway and despite the fact that when she was questioned about you know the poll the she did said we did a poll on this. Uh, the journalist said, "Well, you only polled uh, government ministers. You didn't actually poll the public about this." That was dismissed to the side. It seems to be these people are hell bent on getting these things through, whether or not the public agree with them or not. So it's only lip service to do polls these days, isn't it? It's just lip service. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And this is the thing: is well, the whole idea really is that we should have a culture that is one of you know, community. It's one of service. You know, we have a culture where we know our neighbours, we get along, we work together as a community for 
things. Whereas because what's happened is we've become so isolated, we don't have that sense of community anymore. And because there's such a uh, sense of scarcity because of like the cost of living crisis, nearly everybody's your enemy, you know, to your survival. Because nobody's, not many people are thriving. Most people are just surviving. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is when there is, you know, the ideal should be that if somebody said something that's truly kind of is offensive um, or outrageous or hateful or what have Mm -hmm. you, it would be an isolated incident. That person would almost get not pushback, but, you know, you know, not, and I'm not talking about the kind of the woke mob, braying mob when they don't like something, but, you know, it should just be clear that, you know, that, that idea doesn't really fit in this community. It doesn't, and it doesn't work. And actually that person should be kind of cared for and kind of talked to rationally about that. And it wouldn't take off. But the problem is where there is hate and where there is incitement, because people are angry and because people are surviving and suffering and there isn't a sense of community, these ideas take hold and then they actually become a problem. Whereas it should be that somebody can say something really offensive and it doesn't spread any further because everyone else goes, that's really offensive. Um, they don't hate that person, but they just don't, it doesn't spread. Mm-hmm. But that's not what we have. And therefore, they're trying to stop it while not act. It's they're treating a symptom, not a cause. The cause is a lack of community, um, a lack of security, um, and yeah, a lack of humanity. Lack of humanity, indeed. You touched briefly there, just uh, we're nearly up to time, which is crazy. We've only got a few minutes left. The time goes by just so quick when we're talking about all these issues, trying to squeeze as much in as we can here. Earlier on in the uh, the show, the show before you came on, we were talking about the cost of living crisis. I can remember last year, probably around about last summertime, you had a campaign through CFRH UK. It was to do with, uh, you know, helping people that were on limited budgets so they were struggling to heat or eat. Is there any... Uh, updates to that or the website that you're doing uh there was a great flyer that you had i can remember i actually made notes on it on a piece of paper somewhere about all the things that you did but are you still uh advocating for that as well in terms of you know there's nominal payments have been made to people but the cost of electricity gas uh, petrol everything's going up it's not people's wages aren't going going up along with it uh is, is that looking to get uh, we're nearly out of time here but if the website's contacted, uh, CFRHEK, have you guys still got the archives for that uh, on there about how to maybe uh, stretch things out a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. But the interesting thing was there wasn't – people have just taken it. It's been really interesting because, mm-hmm. you know, because it wasn't just kind of the people that I'm used to dealing with. I was trying to reach a whole different – but they weren't motivated to challenge it. They were they were more motivated to look at how can I save money, how can I stay warm in my <laughs> yes. cold house, rather than going no, this is nonsense. This is yes. because our campaign wasn't about going oh you can save money here and you can save money. It was about going this should not be happening. Yeah, like yeah. the, the yeah. these companies should not be being getting this much money. They should not be getting public funds through these cost of living payments because that's just transferring public funds to private entities, and yet. The majority of the public weren't weren't up for stirring the pot like that. They just were going to 
hunker down. Yeah. And I, I remember that night. On. We were looking and at the psychology rather than actually rising up against the, the multinationals. It's like, how do we pay them uh, the exorbitant yeah. bills that they're charging us? Or how do we layer up because we can't afford to pay the exorbitant bills they're challenging us? Maybe that's just a, maybe that's the mindset. Maybe that's the shift in mindset, the way things are going at the minute. People are actually mm-hmm. like, how do we deal with this rather than how do we, how do we pay them rather than how do we overturn them? And I think for mm-hmm. as long as that mentality pervades in general, I think it's going to be a long, cold winter here because again, things aren't getting any cheaper. The electric gas oil prices aren't coming down. Even the wholesale prices have dropped. They're not passing it on to the consumers. But again, people are just like, well, you know, what are you going to do about it? Let's just pay them anyway oh it's crazy but listen that's the day and age in which we live and i think if you tried to figure that out you and i would go insane doing it because you can't try and make sense of the insane which is what these policies and these uh, people's actions actually are so louise the metal the music is playing i can hear the drums and bass and guitar in the background that means it's time for us to wrap this one up so louise crefield massive tnt salute to you today check her out at uh, cfr rights UK on the website, Facebook, Instagram, and on X platform. And uh, you and I'll stay in touch. Maybe get talking to you again before the end of the year or not early next year. Louise Crawford, big thanks to you. And uh, I'll be back again tomorrow with more of the same here on TNT Radio. Don't go away. Uh, More to follow.